Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer, and my guest today is Jeff Foster. And hi. I had the hi, Jeff. I had the pleasure of meeting Jeff at the Science and Non-Duality Conference just a week ago out in California. We had lunch together in a little Thai restaurant, which was delicious. And uh, I've been meeting uh, meaning to interview Jeff for a long time, but he's always had trouble with his bandwidth over in the UK. But now he happens to be in the US, so we've worked it out. Um, and speaking of the science of duality, non-duality consciousness, I just want to make a brief mention of thanks to all the people who donated um, to my being able to go there. There's a donate button on my site, and uh, it was on the basis of that that I was able to attend the conference, and I, I really had a great time. If I get a chance, I'll make a little video or write something up about the whole experience of the conference, but I just wanted to say thanks to those people who have donated, and also perhaps to mention that the, the BatGap coffers have been somewhat depleted as a result of that conference, <laughs> and so if anyone feels like donating or donating again or something, it's much appreciated, but of course there's no obligation. <clears throat> so, Jeff. Um, Jeff is a, uh, we'll let him introduce himself in the course of the interview, but Jeff is, I guess, what we would call a non-duality teacher. Uh, no, he doesn't like that. We'll, we'll have to refine that. In fact, <laughs> on, the, uh, on the little, I saw some little blur. Maybe it was at the Science and Non-Duality uh, Conference, a description of you, and it used the word radical. And I thought, why is that there? Because I wouldn't think of Jeff as radical. Why are they using that word? It's a very good question, Rick. Um, I guess... Well, I suppose the first thing to say is we, we love to classify teachings and teachers, don't we? And uh -huh. um, um, I mean, I guess I guess perhaps the way I used to talk, you know, a few years ago, you might call that it was a little bit more radical. I suppose I, I've never seen myself as a. I've never really had much of a label for for what I am. I mean, I yeah. uh, I just talk um, <laughs> about life, and people listen or they don't listen, and. Uh, that's it, really. I, I, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, people try to uh, classify me and categorize me, mm. um, but yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of happy with being called anything. I mean, depending on someone's background. I mean, that, that's yeah. That's what gonna, that's going to influence what they call you. So, someone with a non-duality background might call you a non-duality teacher if they resonate with what you say. If someone hasn't got that background, they might they might call you a friend or they might call you a. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I mean, what do people call me? I don't know what people call I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I am. What what am I, Rick? You tell me. Well, we'll work on that. We'll work, uh, we'll work it out in the interview, I think. I came into a – I was teaching a TM uh, residence course one time, and, and I kind of walked in late, and I was just coming from another city, and the other teachers were already there, and I got up and just started talking. And at one point, somebody said, well, who are you? And I said, oh, I'm still working on that one. <laughs> got a good laugh. <laughs> um so I wouldn't call you radical because I, in my, uh, uh, you know, listening to what you have been saying, I consider you to be quite appreciative of uh, the whole package. You don't seem to be taking a radical stance at one ex end of the spectrum and sort of dismissing or denying the validity of the other parts of the spectrum. You know, you're just kind of like looking at the whole package as far as I can tell. Well, I guess yeah. I mean, I think I think I mean you've you've frozen, Rick. I'm not sure if is that you've frozen on my screen. I don't oh, know if you've frozen. Have yeah, I frozen? No, you're you're fine. I have to. Uh, there we okay. go. Thank you. Okay. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, we can we can get into all of this, but 
in the end, this this message it's it's not a rejection of any aspect of life because I mean, in the end, what we're talking about is non-duality. I mean, um, which means not two, which which means wholeness, oneness, and and then. So it all becomes a bit strange when you start to say oneness is this, but it's not that. You know, when you start to reject aspects of life, I mean, then then it, you're kind of back into the old religious stuff, really. You're, you're back into I'm right, you're wrong, and my path is the true path, and my my I have the truth and you don't. And I, that's never really that's never been what this is about for me. It's it's mm. never been about I know and you don't. This is this is about the mystery. This is about the not knowing. This is about the the falling away of all those rigid conceptual positions, um, but I—I I mean, uh, that's what I've discovered over the years is that I mean, even non-duality can just become another religion for people. I mean, you, I'm sure you've experienced this yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. And this—this this is, um, I guess, when we go into the the story of my life. Um, yeah, we'll get into all that. We'll get into that. I mean, I was—I was really stuck in that that kind of fundamentalist, rigid fundamentalist place of. Uh, Oh, I mean, like I, I have no self, but you still have a self. Or I'm, I'm non-dualistic, <laughs> but you're still dualistic. There's no me. There's no, there's no me here, but, but you still have a me. You know all that, all that stuff. But yeah. funny thing, at the time you don't see it. That, that's what's interesting. At the time you, you don't realize that you're stuck in it. You just think you found, you're free. You think you have the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the beauty of life is that it's not going to let. In my experience, it, it doesn't let you get away with anything. It's not gonna. Life is not gonna let you come to rest on any conceptual position. Life is gonna come along and it's gonna burn up any conceptual, even the conceptual position that you have no conceptual position. Mm. You know? I mean, it's, it's it's brilliant. This thing. It's it's just it's. Uh, yeah. Well, thank God for that. You know, <laughs> who wants to get stuck? Who wants to get well, stuckness is suffering. I mean, yeah. really, that's that's what this message has always been about for me is it's about the stuckness and about seeing the stuckness and somehow in that seeing the stuckness freeing yourself from the stuckness mm. and you, you can get stuck in anything you can even get stuck in this non-duality stuff I mean really you can probably get more stuck than ever in this non-duality stuff yeah. so it's, it's really fascinating the whole thing I've encountered a few of those um, in uh, in Sanskrit, probably the best uh, best word for non-duality is Brahman, and and the word Brahman is it, it comes from a root that means great, and there's a saying Brahman is the eater of everything, and the the idea is that Brahman is thought to just to be completely inclusive of uh-huh. of everything, of the absolute, of the relative, of mm-hmm. you know it's it's kind of a, more than the sum of its parts, and mm-hmm. and uh, so I think very often. A, a rather preliminary stage of realization, uh, which is not inclusive of everything, is thought of as non-duality, and it, it has its own intrinsic non-dualness. But it, but if it separates itself, as you were just saying, from all kinds of other oh, things yeah. like the whole relative world, then obviously it's not. There's a duality. There's not a non-duality. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know if you want to get into this now, because this. I mean, this is. I mean, in the end, this is the, the real meat of it. You know. Well, we can get with the meat. And, and we get with the meat. Let's go straight yeah. to the meat. Then we can always retrace our steps. <laughs> <laughs> if there are any steps left we'll after that, go back for the potatoes later. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, that. I mean, this is why uh, these days I I use the, the metaphor of the the waves in the ocean quite a lot because I think it, a lot of people seem to resonate with this and it seems to clear up a lot of this stuff. You know, um, uh, so you, you could say that the you know the the ocean is what's been we've pointed to uh, is what's been called the the absolute. You know, uh, but the way and the waves are the relative, and the thing is that 
I mean, th this is why it's such a beautiful metaphor because it's not—it's not even a metaphor. I mean, you—you you literally you—you you go to the ocean, you know, go go and walk to the ocean and look out, and you—it will look like that's what it will look. It will look like there are waves moving through the ocean. I mean, it's—you can't deny the appearance of that. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, you—you you get in a boat and you and you sail to the wave. You sail to the waves and you—you you go right up close to those waves, and you will not find any separation between the ocean and the wave. You—you just—you just can't say. Where the ocean ends and the wave begins, you you won't find the line. So right up, when you look right up close, well, where's the wave? You know. Yeah. But at the same time, you can't deny that there appear appears to be a wave, like from a distance. You know, you can't deny that either. Um. Because, you know, this this whole relative denial thing. You know, this whole. I mean, that can be such a beautiful. Um, that it can be such a beautiful insight or realization on on the spiritual path is that you know you you discover this this wide open space call it the absolute or call it the ocean or call it consciousness or call it awareness or call it presence or whatever in the end it doesn't matter you know we we depending on your conditioning you'll, you'll use a different word for it but in the end you know it's a it can um it can be a beautiful realization to discover this this wide open space of awareness behind you know behind thoughts behind feelings behind sensations you know you, you, it's like you discover the ocean behind you, you, and you can see where this is going you, you discover the ocean behind the waves mm -hmm. and that can i mean i know in my own experience years ago that provided so much freedom to, yeah. to discover that that spaciousness that vastness that presence that awareness but what what happened in my my experience was I, I started to identify with that. I started to identify with the absolute. I started to identify with awareness. So I, you know, I, I thought I had discovered free, freedom from all identity. And actually, what I was doing, I was just identifying with something new. I was identifying with awareness. So I'm I'm not a person. You know, I I disidentified with the person, and now I'm not a person. And I know that. And that's my new identity. I'm no one. <laughs> I am awareness. I, you know, and, and um. I mean, I, I guess it's what I needed at the time. I guess at the time it, it, it did. It provided, yeah, it provided so much freedom, and, yeah. and I discovered. I mean, it was an incredible insight, uh, and mm -hmm. so much suffering did fall away actually in that discovery. But you see, at that point, I thought I was finished. I thought, I right, I've done it now. I've come. This is my conclusion. Like mm -hmm. life is concluded. It's finished. It's over. I'm no one. But you're you're absolutely right. There was still that subtle, or actually not so subtle, when you really think of it. It's not so subtle at all. Um, division between awareness and contents of awareness or between no one i am no one or i have no self and then you look out of the world and you see all these other people who have selves you know and you separate right. and you feel subtly superior to them mm. because you, you have no self or you're no one or you're you're um non-dual right <laughs> you're non-dual although of course there's no one here to be non-dual so you become very clever with language but subtly you're still or not so subtly you're, you're separating yourself you're separating yourself from everyone else who is still dual or they still have it or whatever i mean you can play this game in a million different ways and it's a game really it's a game reminds me of time, a joke you want to hear a joke please um so the rabbi and the cantor are in the synagogue and uh i think it's called a cantor i'll say that but i think that's the term and the rabbi is very humble and he's saying oh i am no one i am no one, <laughs> no one. and then the cantor sort of hears him saying that he kind of chimes in yes i am no one i'm no one and then the janitor who's sweeping the floor hears them saying that and uh, he starts getting into it oh yes i am no one i am no one and then the ra they overhear him and the rabbi says to the cantor ha look who thinks he's no one Ha 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 
<laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. It, be- it just becomes another position. Although it's at that place, it, be- it can become so tricky because you- I know years ago I was more blind than ever at that point. I was more blind than ever, I think. I, I-, I really f- believed I was no one. I had no self, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, what happened at that point if you stub your toe or something? Or wasn't there a heck of a lot of someone? Well, there, there was a lot pain? of there was a lot of uh, denial going on. Oh. There, was a, there was a lot of denial going on. Mm-hmm. You see, it was like, I am no one. I have no feelings. <laughs> right. I have no thoughts. I have no feelings. I am beyond human. I am beyond the human experience. You know? uh-huh. And secretly behind the scenes, it's not possible. It's ju- it's just because it's more illusion. It's not. It's um um and it. It became exhausting, actually, because it just becomes another image to have to hold up. Mm-hmm. I thought I was free from all images. Actually, I was still very subtly holding up this image that I was no one. Yeah. Because it would have to be an image. It would have to be an image. You know, to even speak the words, I am no one or there is no one, you already know a hell of a lot about yourself. <laughs> you know a hell of a lot about yourself if you know that you're no one. Hmm. You know. Since we're saying... Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll just quickly, quickly finish this, this yeah. ocean and the wave thing because... This is why I use this metaphor these days mm-hmm. because it's so beautiful. Because in the end, you can't. In the ocean, in the end, the ocean is inseparable from the waves. So this, is, in the end, this is not a rejection of the waves. It's not I am not the waves. Mm-hmm. That becomes a new definition of yourself. In the end, what you are as the ocean is inseparable from everything that appears. And so that that's when this becomes. It's no longer a, a cold rejection of humanity. It becomes a total embrace of our humanity of thoughts of feelings of sensations and and so ultimately you could say ultimately you know there's no separate self here but what i am is just this space but in the end whatever that is is inseparable from all the stuff that appears so then it, it it's no longer um well then then you can't even say that you're no one i mean that's when it, that's when i think that's when the the adventure really begins i can't even say that i'm no one i have you know that that seems too much. It's, it's, it's still too mm. much. Too much heavy identity. I'm no one. I mean, what? How exhausting to have to be no one. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. So so what? A, you know what a relief these days to be able to be human. I mean, really fully human again. Mm-hmm. Now this is this really becomes for me in a way. This has just become a like a total celebration of humanness of of being. And I have no way of knowing what this is. It's, it's not like I know what this is. But whatever mm. it is, it's it's there appears to be this body and sounds and mm-hmm. and coffee and tea and pain and you know it's, it's like it's all included right it's all included so i for me that that pointer there is no one I, actually i think what it really means it's not i'm no one but you're still someone or it's not i used to be someone and now i'm no one as if or like i was a person and then magically one day the person fell away and now i'm no one you know that's that's all mystification that's all more of the enli- the old enlightenment myth in the end, truly being no, what does it mean to truly be no one? It, it means that you can be anyone in that sense. No one and someone are not two. You know, the, being no one really means I, I can be fully myself. I can be, you know, I can be what, what's ever happening, what, whatever's happening in this moment. You know, if that's sadness or pain or fear or, or anything, like it's all, it's all embraced. You know, and that's, to me, that's what non-duality is, is really about, I think. And I'm, not, I'm not saying... You know, I'm not, I'm not saying this is the truth of non-duality. I'm just saying in my own experience. It's really because yeah. I can only speak from my own experience. Mm-hmm. This seems to be what it's all about. It's because it, it, in the end, I think it would have to be a total embrace of life. You know, it would have to be because it is life. That's what it is. Life. 
So it, it has to be a total embrace of life. I can't imagine it being anything else. No. There's several thoughts that come to mind. I mean, one is that I think we need to explore this I am no one business a little bit more so people know what we're talking about in case they don't. But yeah. um, but one thought that comes to mind is that what we, whatever we're talking about, it's not conceptual. I mean, you're not sort of advocating that a person entertain certain concepts and on the basis of those concepts their life is going to be a certain way. This, If this is to be real, then mm. it has to sort of be in your bones and your blood. It's it's a living reality that is not lost by virtue of forgetting about it, nor is it lived by virtue of thinking about it. Um, it's just as natural as breathing, as spontaneous as digesting. It's just it's just uh, the the platform uh, or the the, the 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 foundation on which you are living. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't doesn't matter what you think or don't think about or understand or don't understand or anything else. It's experiential, not conceptual. Absolutely. I I mean, you could. Uh, that's the thing about non-duality. It's it's so easy to take all this stuff on as just a a new belief system. Yeah, so read a lot you, of so books, now, learn the yeah, lingo. Easy. It's easy to learn. It's easy to learn. Yeah. You know, you. You read a few books, you pick up the idea that there's no self. So now you have a self just believing there's no self. And nothing changes. That's the thing. Yeah. Nothing changes. You have a wave in the ocean simply believing that it's not a wave. Mm -hmm. But it's, the point is it still experiences itself as a, sep a separate wave. It still experiences itself as separate from the ocean. And that's what this whole thing's really about. You know, what we, we long to no longer be separate from life. We, we long to... I mean, there's so many ways of saying it again. It depends on, you know, like, pick your favorite words. But it's like we all long to come home. It's like yeah. the wave in the ocean. Um, longs yeah, to remember longs to its oceanhood. Oceanhood. That's a great <laughs> word. It long, it, exactly. It longs to return to the ocean mm -hmm. because it doesn't realize, this is the thing, because it doesn't recognize it, who it really is. It, it's already the ocean but doesn't realize it. And so yeah. it goes off into the world of time and space and starts to seek the ocean in a million different mm -hmm. ways that's ba on the most basic level i think that's what everyone's doing in this yeah. world we're all looking for the ocean we don't consciously realize we're doing that you know we're we're looking for what we already are mm -hmm. we don't realize we're doing it we, we just experience ourselves as we experience ourselves as going out into the world and looking for fame looking for wealth looking for power looking for success or looking for enlightenment mm -hmm. it's the same thing really we're looking for something in the future something will complete me one day it's always one day you know one day i'll find what i'm looking for, i'm looking for and then i'll be complete so it's it's um so yeah the the wave that longs for the ocean could just take it could start to believe in non-duality the wave takes on a non-duality belief system so the wave starts to believe it's not a wave the wave starts to believe it has no self or the wave starts to believe it's not seeking anymore and still underneath it's still desperately seeking desperately longing so it, in the end, all the beliefs in the world aren't—they're not going to do this. You know, you're absolutely right. This has to—this has to get into your bones. It's an experiential thing. Yeah. You know, that's why. So before, when I was talking about when I was stuck in that in the non-duality um, concepts that I am no one and I have no self. So the the beauty of life is that it wouldn't let me get away with it. There was still suffering. There was still seeking. There was still longing. So there was someone who had convinced themselves they weren't seeking. So you can convince yourself of anything, but it's not going to end the seeking it's not going to end the suffering which i i guess this that's what this is really about isn't it it's mm -hmm. the end of seeking you know so what what is the end of seeking this is the question is is the end of seeking something that will happen to you one day is the end of seeking an event an experience that will happen to you one day if you're lucky enough or if you practice hard enough or if you 
or maybe it's grace, maybe it just descends on you one day, or is the end of seeking actually a lot more simple and much more present? Is, is actually the end of seeking just another way of talking about life as it is? You know. Well, I think there are two ways of keeping a dog at your door, you know. One is you can tie it there, and another is you can provide some nice delicious food. And if the food is there, the dog will just be ha stay right there as long as there's food and as long as the, you know, the dog is enjoying the food. So, I mean, you can say to people, stop seeking. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but if, the, if, yeah. if the sort of clarity of experience hasn't arisen where they're really actually living that fulfillment uh, that, that you're alluding to, then it's not necessarily appropriate for them to stop seeking they're not necessary I mean it could be a very false sort of cessation where they're really not fulfilled but they're sort of have this attitude of oh I'm no longer seeking yeah I mean if it, if it was that easy to stop seeking if it was just a case of telling people to stop seeking I mean everyone would have done it by now right you know it was, if it was that simple oh yeah I should just stop seeking of course you know it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work like that because we and even even if that even if it were possible to stop seeking for a while, it's not going to last. You know, the, the pain is going to return. Fear is mm -hmm. going to, all the human stuff, especially if, like in relationship. I mean, that's, that's um, these days I'm talking more and more about relationship because that seems to be the, that's the, the place where the seeking mechanism seems to play itself out in its most concentrated form. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, people might not, might not be looking for enlightenment. You know, we, they might not be looking for completeness in that way, but we look for completeness in all sorts of ways. Not just, it's not just about the spiritual seeking in the end. You know, we look for completeness through other, other people, you know, in sure. relationships. So wait, we're waiting for other people to complete us or wait, waiting for other people to understand us or to approve of us or to love us or, you know, like wait, we spend our lives waiting. So, and that, and for me, that, that was a huge revelation years ago was, you know, at some point I, I wasn't looking for enlightenment anymore. You know, I, I, that, that whole thing fell away. I realized, you know, the, there was no such thing as enlightenment in, in the way I'd been thinking about it. And at that point, I, you know, I really thought my, my, all my seeking was over, hmm. you know, but seeking play, can play out in much more subtle ways, you know. It, seeking plays itself out, um, I mean, in, in these big ways, in like one day I'll become enlightened. But it also plays itself out in very subtle, in, in much smaller ways, in a way, you know, um, it just just the search in this moment to be free from this pain, to be free from this fear, to be free from that's the same seeking. It's the same seeking, or in in a relationship, you know, as I just said, um, seeking wholeness from another person, not not recognizing that what you are is already whole. So you start to look, you start to wait for someone else to give you that wholeness, you know. And then that, that's when so much conflict in relationships can begin because, you know, if someone, if you imagine that someone is giving you completeness, they can also take it away yeah. at any moment, you know, and then there's, that's a source of huge conflict in relationships. Like you, you were supposed to complete me. You know, you were supposed to make me feel happy. You were, you were supposed to blah, 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 blah. All these expectations on, on other people. So that's another way how, that's an, another way that seeking plays itself out. You know, it's not just looking for enlightenment it's attempting to escape present pain present fear or it's attempting to um, get something from another person that they can't really give you in the end because in the end no one can give you this no no teacher no guru no lover can give you the wholeness that you you truly seek so in, in the end this is about letting go of looking for that wholeness outside of yourself but that means 
that's not just the conceptual thing. Oh, I'm going to let go of. You can't. You can't just. Con- you can't just let go of it in your, in your, you know, it has to be experiential. You can't let go means, of it unless you've actually found what, Exactly. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then, then the letting go is, is secondary. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's automatic. I mean, it's like, I don't know, if you, if you walk into your house, then the garden behind you is automatically forgotten because you're yeah. in the house. Mm-hmm. But, if it, but if it's just like, I should forget the garden, I should forget the garden, it's still that, there, it'll yeah. just happen when you walk into the house. Absolutely. You know, and I have this whole seeking word—it's it, sort of like a dirty word in non-duality circles. And personally, I think that um, it ne- it's a subtle point, but I think it needs to be explored. It, it's sort of—it's natural. We're, we're hardwired to seek greater happiness, and um, and it, we don't—you know—it's not something we're taught. It's something that we just do. And in fact, probably all life forms do it. Uh, and naturally, as you were saying, you know, there's initially, at least, uh, we seek that outwardly. You know, this this relationship, this new car, this this whatever. Uh, and but we keep finding that those things don't provide it, um, at least not in any lasting way. Yeah, exactly. Not not in a lasting way. Yeah. So what, what might happen? You know, you, you get the new car, or the new lover, or the new job, or the new experience the, the new spiritual experience yeah i mean the new awakening wonderful you know it's, and there's nothing wrong with any of that this isn't like a rejection of all of that you know because that mm-hmm. becomes another game but it's it's really about seeing it for what it is so you know you, you get the new car or the new enlightenment experience and maybe for a while for a moment or for however long the seeking seems to disappear mm-hmm. and there's completeness you know and then of course it starts up again because it, it there's something that can't be it can't be completed. It can't be satisfied through objects, through people, through things, through experiences. You know. Mm. Yep. Um, and on some level, I think every human being ha- has a sense of that. You know, we we all we all know that. You know, however much money we have, however many possessions we have, however however successful we are, however famous we are, or however enlightened we are. You know, whatever that means to us. In the end, it's. It doesn't satisfy us. It doesn't satisfy. So, what? Where is this completeness that we're looking for? Well, you know, are we really going to find it in time? Is it something that we can find through doing, 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 doing? Or actually, is it? Is it? Is this wholeness already present within um, within this present experience? And that, you know, it's like we're looking for. And you're right. There's something very natural about it. You know, we're looking for freedom from pain, freedom from fear, freedom from sadness. Um, you know, maybe there's, there's something quite natural about you know when you experience pain, especially physical pain, for example. You you want to do something about it. You want to lessen the pain, right? Sure. It's it's so natural. It's you take your hand off the hot stove. You know exactly. You don't have to think or about. Or when it. when you're hungry, even simpler, when you're hungry, there's something incredibly natural about um, seeking food, seeking food, looking for food. But yeah. I think what what humans do that I don't think any other organism appears to do. We we don't just seek shelter or Food or whatever we we seek completeness and that mm. that's a different game which we're trying to complete ourselves that that's a different game you know, I see when, that I see that as a good thing you know because humans have the evolutionary capacity or whatever to sense that there is a completeness some somehow yeah. to be found and so they they seek it it's it's I wouldn't say it's a good thing or a bad thing. It, it's well, it's, it's, I guess it's, it's characteristic it's, of, yeah. of the human species. It's, it's which evolved. Is, like it's it's part. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a more a evolutionary of characteristic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's probably inevitable that um, an organism in which um, the capacity for uh, abstract thought has evolved. 
mm-hmm. that that organism is going to naturally be a seeker of completeness. So you know, from that perspective, it's natural. It's the most natural movement. You know, it's, it's we, from that on that level, we we can't really judge it. It's it's life. It's a perfect in that sense. Even the seeking mm-hmm. is a perfect expression of life. Now the <laughs> the thing about seeking is that it's also what causes all of our suffering. It's the mechanism behind all of our psychological suffering, because. I mean, where it goes in the end is we basically we don't allow ourselves to feel pain, to feel fear, to feel sadness because we're so busy trying to move away from it and reach some future completeness. Because because we're and we're so conditioned that all of these things, that pain, fear, you know, sadness, whatever, we we're so conditioned to believe that these feelings aren't part of the completeness. You see, that, yeah. What if the completeness actually includes all the stuff that we're trying to run away from uh, ultimately ultimately you know i mean if i you know if, if i if i have a headache i might take some aspirin you know um like i, I had an operation in the hospital a, a few years ago an extreme you know physical pain and so i took some morphine you know like, well mm-hmm. the nurse gave me and it, it's like that there's, there's an intelligence there as well but the the real question is what what happens once you've taken all the medicine? You've taken all the medicine you can take. What, what happens once you've done everything that you could possibly? Do? You know, so I'm not saying stop doing what you're doing. Of course, like you know, you're free to do anything you want to to get rid of pain or whatever. But in the end, in the end, what happens once you've done everything that you can do? Then, then what? You know, then that's when it becomes interesting. That's when it becomes really interesting. That's when um, it's like, well, well, maybe. Maybe this is life too. Maybe this pain, or at least I call it pain. I call it fear. I call it sadness. I call it negative. Mm. You know, we we split positive and negative and seek the positive. Again, there's not it's not a judgment of that. But um, so easily that that leads to present moment resistance. You know, it, it leads to not allowing ourselves to really feel what we feel you know try in this moment trying to escape this moment that that's where it leads to you know so it's a seeking in itself is a very natural evolution of life but but look what happens you know and and look at the suffering that that can come from that you know incredible incredible suffering i don't think seeking necessarily has to be an evasion of what we're feeling and experiencing right now i mean the that very same impulse can be kind of turned around and, and used as a sort of an exploratory tool to actually feel more acutely and more directly what it is you're experiencing. You know, yeah, once, I, I, think you know, it, I think it depends how we use the word seeking. I yeah, think, yeah. I think, we might be I think the word yeah. can have a positive connotation. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, I guess when, when I use the word seeking, for me the word seeking it's, um, it has the escape connotation. Well, it's, it's the search in time for completeness. It's looking yeah, for yeah. completeness in time, which... which which basically means, you know, if you're looking for completeness in time, on some level, you're not all seeing the completeness that is already here. So maybe when you just use the word seeking, that that's what you were pointing to was coming to, you know, to discovering the completeness that's already here. Yeah, I think there's yeah. both a, a healthy and a sort of an unhealthy a- yeah. aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, but you know, the funny thing is, these days, like when you just said the thing about seeking completeness in time, these days when I hear almost anybody say almost anything. Um, I I simultaneously agree and disagree with them. I I sort of see the paradoxical opposites. Yeah. You know, and I see yes, you're absolutely right. You know, completeness is here now, and yet to take the opposite, um, you know, there's a 
a growing fullness of completeness, sort of a, a deepening and enha an enhancement or whatever that, you know, five, ten years down the line, if you were to suddenly snap from this to that, you might think, whoa, quite a contrast. This is much more full. This is much more clear or deep or whatever. And, but that somehow the two don't invalidate each other, you know? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a paradox. I mean, I, I, yeah. I agree with you. I, I agree and dis disagree with everything as well. Me too. Because it's <laughs> it's like, I think, but I think that's healthy. You know, I think that's really yeah. healthy. Um, it does seem like a total paradox. It does, you know, because on, on one level, life is absolutely complete as it is. Like right now, these thoughts, these sensations, these feelings, this is the ocean. This is everything that I was ever looking for. This is, this is you know, a perfect expression of, completeness and, and who knows i might i might not have tomorrow you know i'm not yeah. i'm not guaranteed i'm not guaranteed i'm not guaranteed this evening you know so it's it's like that that's uh i mean for me in my experience discovering that was the real freedom was oh it's it's here and now and that's what a lot of these spiritual teachings are pointing to is you know it's here and now at the same time um this is so that's if we go back to this the the ocean and the wave metaphor mm -hmm. um I think, I think this is a really important point because I've met so many people kind of struggling with the paradox of this, you know, because so it's like on one level I'm already complete, but there does seem to be some kind of deepening or opening, and ha but then doesn't that involve? T is that still seeking? Is that is that still? It's like I'm complete, but I can be more complete, and one day I'll be more complete, you know, and then we start seeking that that bigger completeness. Isn't that part of the same mechanism? Looking for more, you know. It's, so it seems like a real paradox. Um, and I, I struggled with this myself for a long time, you know, because it, um, if I, I meet a lot of people who they've had some big awakening experience or enlightenment experience, they've had some very, you know, deep and profound insight that it's all the ocean, you know, they've had a very profound, a very profound seeing, insight, knowing, whatever you want to call it, um, that everything is the ocean, that every wave that appears it is the ocean. And in that sense, life is already complete. You know, um, but then what? What happens? I think is um, certainly the people I've met, and this, in my own experience as well. What happens is life doesn't stop there. You know, the, the waves of life. So the uh, by waves, I just I just mean anything in present experience is a wave. So a thought is a wave, a sensation, a feeling. You know, everything is a wave. So mm -hmm. the waves keep coming. The waves keep coming. So you know, you might have seen yesterday that everything is the ocean. Wonderful. You might have had a very profound insight yesterday, and call it enlightenment or call it awakening, it doesn't matter. You might have had a very profound insight yesterday or earlier today or five minutes ago that everything is the ocean, every wave is the ocean. Um, but the waves keep coming, so you know, what about this wave and this wave and this wave? What about this pain and this fear and this joy and this sadness and this mm -hmm. thought? That's not going to stop. Mm -hmm. The waves, the waves don't stop. That, that's just the idea of the seeker, is that the waves are going to stop one day. You know, that, that's a wave. A wave imagines that the waves are going to stop or the waves are going to start. That, that's more illusion, actually. Mm -hmm. The waves can't stop because the waves are life, too, because the waves are the ocean, you see. So then uh, people can become very confused at this point because they go, well, I thought, I thought I was awakened, but life is still happening, and oh, and I'm still suffering. <laughs> and sometimes people actually uh, they suffer more than ever after the so-called awakening they suffer more than ever because they thought well I, because they had all these ideas of what about what awakening was supposed to be or or oh, i had this idea that i was never going to suffer because that's what it can feel like sometimes you know when you have this awakening it feels like you're never going to suffer again 
Mm. You, you can't even imagine suffering ever again. It's like it, it blows everything apart. You can't because who's going to suffer? There's no one here to suffer. You know, it blows that all away. But again, life and in its infinite compassion is not going to. It's not going to let you get away with that. The waves keep coming. So yeah, in in that sense, every wave. Um, Every wave that appears, if it's pain, if it's sadness, if it's whatever it is, it's it's an invitation back to the ocean. So, I think this is this is this is where you realise it's not a paradox at all. Because on on one level, everything is the ocean already. Every wave that appears is there. even the most intense suffering. If that happens, that's the ocean appearing. At the same time, though, every wave, it's also an invitation to see the ocean in that wave. So you, it's it's like everything is the ocean anyway, whether you see it or not. So that's the, the already completeness. That, that's the ever-present completeness. But at the same time, these waves keep coming, and, and like it's all—it's this constant invitation. Oh, that's the ocean too. Ah, oh, that's the ocean too. So it's like um, everything's complete, and there's this constant invitation to see that complete in this way, and that doesn't stop. Nope. So you, you could call that a, a deepening. You, you could call it a deepening or, or whatever. But I, I like to talk about it. It's like the constant invitation, you know. And the, yeah. and, and the waves can get subtler and subtler. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like oh even these like these little tiny little oh that's included as well. <gasps> that's what I would mean by deepening is subtler yeah. and subtler. At least one way of, of thinking of it. Subtler and subtler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but it, in the end, you it's not this is this is where it gets a bit confusing because it's not it's not really that I'm deepening in, in the sense no. it's it's not that a separate person is is going deeper into something. No. It's it's more like it's more like the separate the any remnants of the separation are kind of. Dying, 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 you know, and that, and that, and that could go on forever, and that, you know, but, but it's no longer, I'm gonna deepen, you know, I, I'm gonna deepen because I'm gonna become. It's no longer about that anymore. It's like it's, it's just life. That's what life is. Life is just a constant invitation to see. Life Another way of putting it might be that the embodiment is somehow becoming fuller. Um, the embodiment of that realization. Um, yeah. I mean, if we think of ourselves as sort of sense organs of the infinite, you know, then then there's you know we can we can be the infinite but the there's infinite capacity for the sense organ to be refined or to be uh, mm. you know more uh capable like you know, like for instance, take the analogy of electricity you have elect the basically the one underlying electrical field but you have light bulbs of varying uh luminosities and they either can be a little 25 water or they can be a thousand watt bulb they're they're both grounded in the same electricity but both but they have different sort of physical structures which enable them to kind of dis radiate light differently and so like that even our our own physical structure or whatever not only physical whatever makes us makes up this instrument um can become a you know, over time, can become a brighter and brighter emitter, so to speak, using the, the light metaphor. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the electrical field, which it essentially knows itself to be, mm. is getting getting any better or bigger or, or yeah, 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 yeah. zappier or anything like that. It is what it is. So there's simultaneous completeness and yeah. sim simultaneous um, growth. And the, so two, that, the two are not in conflict. Exactly. There's no paradox. When you really see what's going on, there's absolutely no. There's no conflict. There's no paradox. Right. You know. There's no paradox at all. Mm -hmm. um, it's. Uh, I mean, this used, this stuff used to drive me insane. You know? <laughs> really, like it really. Yeah. I think it drives a lot of people crazy because there's some some teachers say there's nothing you can do. 
you know, any, everything is seeking, give up seeking, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no deepening. It's just this. And the yeah. thing is, I, I agree with them. Exactly, I agree with them. There's but a, I also a, take the opposite. Exactly. <laughs> but then you see it's not even the opposite. I don't, I don't see it as opposites anymore. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's yes and, you know, it's like, and yet, it's like, you know, it's absolutely, I agree with you totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and... Yeah. And and this, yeah. And this, <laughs> and this wave, and this wave. You know, so it's it's like it's all it's all inclusive. It's just all inclusive. That's why I find it hard to call myself a non-duality teacher anymore. You know, because it's. What does that mean? I don't know what it, that means. It, well, it puts you in a in a conceptual box that you may not. Yeah. That really might not be suitable. Yeah. I, I was going to say as well. This is the the beauty of uh, relationships. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Relationships, probably more than anything else, maybe everything in life is a relationship, actually. But especially, yeah, you know, intimate, personal relationships. You know, I mean, talk about deepening. You know, that an intimate, personal relationship is is always gonna it's always gonna bring up those waves in you that aren't being fully accepted. Or you could another way of saying it that you know you're gonna constantly be reminded of the thing the the things you're still holding on to you know what what you're still defending the the images of yourself that you're still defending because the moment you the moment you try to defend any image of yourself even if it's very very subtle um conflict is going to result you know in in relationship because you 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 see yourself as this thing as and it could be anything it could be enlightened it could be i see myself or successful or strong or it could it could be something very very subtle you know and the beautiful thing about other people is they're not always going to agree <laughs> agree with you. They're not always going to see you how you want to be seen. Mm-hmm. They're not always going to see you um, how you see yourself. Even if if you want to be seen as no one, you know. And that, and, and I I've learned more from intimate personal relationships than anything else. I really, I mean, I, yeah. I really think so because, you know, y- years ago when I was really trapped in the I I am no one thing, you know, that's not going to hold itself up in a, in a in a in an honest relationship in a, in a brutally honest intimate personal relationship you're not going to be able to play that game yeah and that's beautiful I mean Ramdas said uh, if you think you're enlightened go spend a week with your parents absolutely <laughs> Abs- I, I really think you know enlightenment it's like non-duality is the easy stuff right I'm no one no one here knows that's the easy part in a way mm. relationship is the that's the adventure that's, that's like the final frontier you know really mm. it's going to bring up if you're willing though if you're willing to look at it if you're not willing forget it you yeah. know, if, if you think you're done, I'm awakened, I'm done, I'm no one, then, great. I mean, then who, who am I to judge in the end? Who am I to judge? But well, if me, you can find a partner who thinks the same way, then maybe yeah. you get, get away with it. I don't know. But. <laughs> Good luck, you know. But, <laughs> but then you're going to have, then you're going to end up shutting yourself off to so many people. You know, yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to end up only, you're, you're only going to be able to hang around or, or, or be around a very small number of, you're, you're going to, it's going to become another separation game, you know, because mm-hmm. people are going to remind you, you know, that actually, God, I'm not even no one, you know, I mean, and that, years ago, that, that used to really upset me because I, I was so sure that I was no one. <laughs> so I keep on coming back to this, this whole note because it's so fascinating, really. No, it is. It's just, an, it's, I don't think this gets talked about enough in like the, the non-dual circles because it's, it's kind of like a little, shadow or maybe a big shadow that I think it needs to be talked about because I think a lot of people go through this and this whole no one business maybe it's it's useful to point out why a person would feel that I mean you know ordinarily what we consider ourselves to be you ask somebody who they are and they give you their name they give you their job they give you their age their likes their dislikes you know all kinds of descriptive things about their relative personality Uh and and because and that's 
you know, actually what they perceive themselves to be. But, you know, what you're referring to is a, a discovery that people eventually encounter, which is that, whoa, I'm none of those things, and, mm -hmm. and I don't appear to be anything definable. Uh -huh. And theref therefore, there can be this sense of no one. There's this sort of identification, as you said earlier, with the absolute or with the unmanifest. And that doesn't have any of these definable, dis explainable mm -hmm. characteristics. And so what am I? I seem to be no one. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, I'll tell you a little story. I think this, this is so beautiful. Uh -huh. I, th I think it says it all. <laughs> um, I, I was doing a meeting. It was last year sometime. I was doing a meeting. And um, during the meeting, this, this woman was speaking to me. And she was saying how... You know, she's she's discovered she's discovered what you've just been talking about. She's discovered that she's no one. She has no identity. She's free from the self. You know, and and her life has you know has completely changed and and so much freedom and peace. She said, but she said to me, Jeff, there's you know there's there's one thing that I'm that I just don't understand. And it I, and I asked her what it was, and she said it's it's my children. It's my children. They still think I'm their mother. <laughs> you know, and and. And this was really causing her a lot of suffering, actually, because it, she and she just didn't understand it. How, how can they not see who I really am? I don't, hmm. you know. And there was a lot of judgments about her kids, and and then so, so what was so what was happening was that you know, they were saying to her, they were saying, "Mummy, mummy," and she wasn't able to hear it. You know, well, you know, I, I, bet, was, I bet you if one of them got hit by a bus, she, she her feelings well, of being a mother would very much come to the fore. But th know? this was why she was suffering. This this is why life is so compassionate in the end. Life would, wouldn't let her get away with it. And that's, yeah. it, gave, it gave her suffering. Something didn't, fi she, you know, on some level she still longed to connect with her children. Mm -hmm. But in her I am no one state, she had yeah. like lost the ability to. And, and so life doesn't let you get away with it, you know. I mean, if you're honest, and I think she was really she was honest about this. She was honest that she was still suffering. You see, she, she just was, swung to that extreme. To, yeah. yeah, and so hadn't integrated it. And um, and she was telling me she was saying, Jeff, I, d I don't understand it. Why do they, why do they see me as their mother? You know, I can't they see who I, who I really am? I'm I have no identity. I'm I'm not identified with anything. And I, and I said to her, Yes, you are. You're totally identified. And she was like, Huh? I said, you're totally identified with not being their mother. And that's why it hurts. <laughs> and that's why it hurts so much. Yeah. That's why, because you, your kids are coming along and they're, they're deep, they're threatening that image. Hmm. You know, that, and that, that's intimate relationship. You know, if you're willing and open, like, allow yourself to be threatened, allow your images to be threatened. You know, find what hurts. You know, like, I used to be so terrified of conflict, like interpersonal conflict, and, and yeah. you know, and I would always try and run away from it. But these days I just see it's, Conflict is um, it's just a wonderful opportunity really to really take an honest look, see what, what are you still defending, what image of yourself are you still defending. And it could be something as subtle as you know, a, a, one of these spiritual concepts, like I'm, I'm, I'm not their mother. Because then what happens ultimately, you know, she's defending that image, she stops being able to listen to her children, she loses the connection, which is what she really longs for. Mm -hmm. That's what she's really looking for. She doesn't really long to not be their mother. She doesn't really long to be no one. What she she longs is just for the, for that intimacy, and that and that means death. That's like intimacy is death. I mean, real intimacy. It's it's. So what has to die? You know, for her, what had to die, or at least be seen through or let go of, was this image that she wasn't their mother. Hmm. And then that's when she could meet them. Yeah. And then and then you know ultimately are, are they my children? I don't know who they are. You know, I really do, are they am I their mother? I'm their, I, yeah. Ultimately, those are all roles. You know, but. I am not their mother is another role that I have to, and it becomes another burden. Huh. Why do we need why do we need these stories about ourselves? Well, you know, even the story we have no story, you know, what like what are we afraid of? 
you know so that I think just point just kind of pointing this out to her I mean was it you know what once, once she could see what she was doing to herself what once she could see what she was still defending that there was the freedom in just seeing it in just seeing it you know and um, because often we it becomes so subtle sometimes you know we don't we don't see what we're still defending and that, and that's why I love do, doing these meetings and you know retreats because it's there's something so beautiful about kind of gathering together and just shining light on this some very subtle stuff you know mm. um because i know it, it kept me so trapped i mean i, I was like <laughs> so shut off from life and from everything everything and there's, so there's something so beautiful about just just sharing this um this possibility of uh well whatever this is i, I don't know what it is but this possibility of um well re recognizing who you really are you know um but not not as a mental thing because it doesn't work right it doesn't work you know it's interesting you know i hear a lot of teachers or whatever you want to call them um and like the people at the conference that we were just at and and yeah. people of people of that ilk um getting up and basically what their presentation has to do with a description of the of life as they see it or of their experience is kind of a, a an articulation as best as they can do it of how life appears to them mm -hmm. and um very often they don't have much more to offer than that um and so people sit and they listen and they i i think it can be either helpful or confusing or somewhere in between depending on where you're at it it can be helpful if if you're you're kind of close to that in terms of your own experience and and just that sort of like I'm reading Rupert Spira's book right now and, and I I'm reading each verse about three times and it's like I can sort of feel a wave of clarity wash over me with each one it kind of it's like it, it's it's kind of like fine tuning a radio it just kind of gets you more tuned in to sort of uh settle down on those ideas that he's presenting but um, if you're not very close to that, I think it can it can cause confusion because there's this sort of great gap between your experience and the, and what the person is articulating, yeah. and you can end up, as you say, you can end up trying to make a religion out of it, or you know, uh, build an edifice of beliefs that you cling mm -hmm. to and become fundamentalist about, or uh, or whatever. There can be great misinterpretation and confusion. Uh, so. I don't know. It's it's sort of, I guess people gravitate toward that which is useful for them, and if mm -hmm. it's not useful, then they'll just gravitate away and find something which is, mm -hmm. and so it all kind of works out in the end. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It, it has a funny way of working itself out in the end. I mean, I my experience was I funny because I I never. Um, I know I never I was never with a guru I was never with a teacher I never went to a retreat I never you know all my spiritual seeking you know my and I, I mean I was a, I was a desperate spiritual seeker I was an obsessive spiritual seeker I, I just wanted freedom from this suffering and I you know and that manifested as the search for enlightenment you know, that, that's I thought I would find enlightenment one day and so what were you doing? Reading books? I was, I was, I just I'm surprised up. you never actually went and checked out some teachers if you had such a strong desire. Well, I I don't know what it was. Is my 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 conditioning whatever? I mean, I, I was intensely private, you know, intensely uh -huh. self-conscious and shy and shut off. I mean, I 
I didn't know anyone. I didn't. I didn't. Um, I mean, because for me, it, it all happened quite suddenly. You know, I had this. I had this breakdown, basically. Um, Tell my, me about that. In my early twenties. Well, I, I think I. I think I've been depressed my whole life. Uh-huh. Um, without, without really knowing. Without realizing, I just thought that's the way I was. I because I, yeah. I didn't. I never. When I was younger, I never had any friends. I never spoke to anyone. I mean, I didn't really speak until I was about twenty. I mean, that's really, funny was, because you're such a friendly, outgoing guy now. You know. <laughs> I know. It's, when I think about it, it's crazy. Really, I mean, it's the whole thing is. We're insane. talking about just ten years ago, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah. less actually. Um, yeah, you're just thirty-one now. I mean, I was. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, really, my whole child. I was just in my shell. I mean, I was huh. just in my shell. Interesting. And I. I, I guess I was always depressed, but it got it got worse and worse. And in my early twenties, I was living in London in a job that I hated. I didn't know who I was, what I was doing, what I wanted. I was, I was a mess. I was confused about everything, sexually confused and confused about oh career, and I just didn't know how to live. I just didn't. I mean, I, I don't think I, I ever, I never really knew how to live. But it got worse and worse. And I was in relationship with this girl, and it was incredibly intense. And she was going to save me, and. <laughs> You know, I'd found my soulmate and blah blah blah, and uh, and then that that fell apart, and then I, I became physically quite ill. As, I mean, it all just mm. it all just happened at um, happened at once, really. I mean, uh, and I look back and I think, I mean, thank God that happened, really. Yeah. Because it forced me. I mean, that, that's what happened. I I um, I had this breakdown and I was ill and I I was I was quite ill for a while actually physically quite ill and I moved back I quit my job in London and I moved back to my parents' house in Manchester and they were very sweet they they let me stay there mm-hmm. and um so what began was just this fire I you know it was it was just oh my god who the hell am I you know and I needed to know I mean this this was like life or death now because huh. everything had fallen apart you know yeah. and. and I, mean, I was on the verge of suicide, and it was—it was like I, it was basically either I'm going to kill myself or I'm going to awaken. I mean, that—that was—that was like I was living every every day, every moment with this. I mean, this mm. was this was—I had always been like a pretty obsessive creature, pretty obsessive mm-hmm. character. But um, I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, once I, so I got my hands on the spiritual teaching, I just started tearing them apart. I mean, I would just read a book a day, like. Um, mm. Book after book, Buddhism, Christianity, Zen, like books on meditation, and I mean, I was just everything. I can't, even, I can't, even, I can barely remember. I mean, I was just tearing through them, and I started to meditate and self-inquire, and um, but it was this, it was this, um, like I needed to awaken, and I needed to awaken today. Like I wasn't going to wait till t- I could be dead tomorrow. You know, mm. that that's how desperate it was. You know. Um, and this this went on for about a year. I mean, I really locked myself. And so at the time, I didn't. It just didn't come to me to go to a teacher. I mean, I don't I don't know why. It never been. It wasn't part of my makeup. It wasn't. Yeah. I, I. I mean, I think a couple of times I I considered it. I think. I mean, um, I remember you know I would I would read I would turn to the back cover of books and look at the photos of the teacher and kind of stare. At, I would like stare because I was into the whole guru thing for a bit. I, I thought their energy. I thought somehow I don't know. Right. I don't know what I thought. Um, but I, I made a few. I, I, at some point, I was going to go to London to see a teacher, but I, at the last minute, something just stopped me. I, I don't know what it was. It was like maybe it was a stubbornness, hmm. or it was a um, maybe it was a sense. Look, I, if there is any truth here, I'm, I have to find it myself. I, maybe you know, because I was a real like before. I'd been a real atheist. I'd been like I was trained in um, science, in like in rational thinking, and I, I went to Cambridge, studied astrophysics, and so. Maybe there was some of that there, you know, some or some cynicism or something. I I just knew I, I'm going to find this myself. Well, whatever it is, 
if I can't find it myself, it can't be real. It has to be. It, it will be secondhand. Like I wanted to find something. I knew that from the beginning. It had to be firsthand. I didn't quite know what I was looking for, but somehow I knew it had to. Like it had to be experiential. Like I had yeah. to. Like if it's not like, how this? I don't. Why do I need to go to India? Whatever it is, it's got to be here too. It's got to mm-hmm. be here in this house. In in you know, sitting in my parents' garden yard. You know, looking at the flowers, it, it has to be here. You know, mm-hmm. so maybe that's why I never saw a teacher. But that—that that was just my way. Yeah, you know, just, just the way, way you were wired. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I did all. I started doing a lot of practices, but in the end, for me, it just—I just did a lot of sitting. I just did a lot of sitting with my pain and my fear and my sadness uh-huh. and my and just sitting in suffering. You know, because it started to dawn on me that maybe freedom isn't to be found through escaping maybe somehow it's if I sit here long enough in this sadness in this fear in this pain something will, will reveal itself you know I didn't didn't know um, so what happened uh, <laughs> to finish the story now <laughs> um, so somehow you broke through to this uh, well it broke this, this I, I am nobody state <laughs> at a certain point well yeah I had certain experiences happen certain realizations um I had a very profound happening realization I, I've talked about before. It's like seeing a chair, you know, and um, I mean that 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 was quite profound actually. Um, it's it's really hard to talk about. I I can't, you know, I I, I say that I went through phases, but it, I mean, experience is never as clear cut as that. You know, it was all very messy. Sure. The whole thing was incredibly messy. You know. Mm-hmm. Like one day I realized there was no one. The next day I was back into huge amounts of suffering. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, we we like clean, clear stories, don't we? But the, the well, truth of experience. Know, a lot is, of people go through the, a phase like that where they swing back and forth. Swing back you and know? forth. Yeah. And, and eventually it sort of stabilizes or gets integrated or something. Um, yeah, I mean, well, and, and you know, really, I would. I don't know if you're imp- insinuating this, but I would suggest that um, that whole phase you went through um, had its value. You know, I mean, so oh, yeah. sometimes feel people say, "Well, I've now I'm realized, and nothing I ever did, or nothing you could ever do, could actually bring you to this realization." Mm. But I think we, you know, it's like there's we go through stuff for a yeah. reason, and and I mean, in the in the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali classifies seekers or yogis in terms of mild, medium, and intense, and then among the intense, you know, various stages, and then the most is. The, the the most intense is like vehement intensity. He uses that word, and he says that in fact, you know, those with the most vehement intensity do tend to mm. realize the most, uh, you know, quickly or readily. Well, and, yeah, you know, I, and there's a lot of people who with stories like. I mean, there are other people who just wake up one morning and kapow, you know. <laughs> well, you know what? I think I've thought about this a lot. I think we love that we love the dramatic stories in a way those are the stories that sell i mean th- those are the, it's often the people who have been through the, the dramatic seeking and the dramatic waking up those are the yeah. people who tend for some reason they're the ones who tend to write books and do talk but then that they make, they make for good books it were great yeah we love our dramatic stories you know mm-hmm. and that, for some reason those are the people who tend to do the talking and and but then this whole new kind of mythology begins well uh, so it's like only the people who write the books and do the talking they they must be the only one only the the people with the dramatic stories are the, are the real ones, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I've met so many. I mean, that's what the beauty of doing these meetings over the years, you know, is I've met so many people who, you know, they they don't go out and talk about. They don't write books. They don't. They don't have much interest in it. You know, they they go about their ordinary everyday lives. They're 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 doctors and therapists and artists, and they 
you know, they um, they see this or get this or however you want. I mean, however you want to say yeah, it. Absolutely. It was, it was a very for them. It was a very gentle. They never really went through some big dark night of the soul. You know, of course, they, everyone suffers to an extent. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any human being who has escaped suffering totally. You know, but their their suffering was more gentle somehow, or and their seeking yeah. was more. And it doesn't mean their experience is any more or less valid. You know. No, I totally that's, agree. That's one I, of those I, myths. That's one of those myths. You know. Yeah, um, I just wouldn't um, weight it one way or the other. I would say, however, it, exactly. however it works out for you or you or you, you know, exactly. find that that's the way it is for you, and and exactly. don't compare yourself with somebody else. Exactly. And, and don't say that, well, you know, because it was this way for me, it's got to be this way for everybody, or, exactly, or whatever. It's like the way you know, everyone's trying to come home, and and like, all paths lead to Rome. All paths lead to Rome, and they every, all paths lead to home. Because in the end, we are home. This is the point. The wave is already home and doesn't yeah. realize it, so it seeks home. So in that in that sense, you can understand, you know, why some of these non-duality teachers say things like, "It doesn't matter what you do or don't do," or you know, you can understand where that's coming from. Because yeah. in, in the end, everyone's going to get here. And but actually, it's it's interesting. You should talk about that because I I used, you know years ago I used to speak much more like that. That there's nothing you can do. You know, there's nothing you can do. Um, this isn't the result of doing and and again there's there is some truth to that i don't really speak like that anymore because i i really see the problem with that now i mean that's that's going to be misunderstood so easily because what over sure. the years um and it was a real revelation for me to, to see this was you know i've met so many people and they've been to non-duality meetings they've been to these radical advisor meetings and they've picked up the concept there's nothing i can do <laughs> right so <laughs> so I might as well crack a beer and watch football you yeah know? but the, the point is they're still suffering they're still yeah, yeah. suffering horribly but now they're suffering with with a the belief there's nothing they can do about it so they're in a way they're doubly trapped yeah it seems like you but they think it's pessimistic it's or very yeah i mean so let me, well, you know, let me, there's a good analogy for this. Let me just throw it in here. And I'll get, uh, the sun, you know, is always shining, yeah. and and once it sort of realizes its sunness, it might say, "Hey, I have always been shining. It doesn't. It never yeah. mattered what was happening yeah. with the clouds. You know, the clouds, no clouds, wind, no wind. It doesn't matter. I have always been shining. Nothing ever caused me to shine." You know, so that's valid from the point of view of the sun, but from the point of view of somebody on the ground or whatever, you know, stretching this metaphor, uh, it makes a big difference whether the clouds are cleared away or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing you can do to be what you already are. I think that's very clear. I mean, yeah. this this presence, this this awareness, being the the sun, the the light. The I mean, call it what. There's nothing I can do to reach this because I because. I am already this. There's nothing mm -hmm. the wave can do to reach the ocean. Right. But there is the possibility of recognizing itself as the ocean. Mm -hmm. And that's when I think the non-dual message can be really misunderstood because it's okay, so there's nothing you can do. It's not about doing to get somewhere because, yeah, that, that could just be more seeking. It's not about I'm going to do this to reach what I am. But at the well, same you know, there's time, one thing the wave can do to realize it's the ocean. It can settle down. Well, this is it. This, so that, you know, there's nothing. Relax. You, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> but there's a, there's a lot to see. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot to. It's it's not about the doing so much. It's it's, it's the recognition. It's the seeing. You know. Um. Which which isn't. I mean, I guess I guess in the end it depends what you mean by the word doing because that's a funny right. word as well. Yeah. What does it mean to do? You know. Um. It's like. It's not so much doing; it's more recognizing what is already present. You know, which mm -hmm. which isn't about doing something in time. 
It's it's recognizing what is already here now. Recognizing the waves that are already present are are the ocean, but they are already the. This is the thing. The the waves are already the ocean. Yeah. But if if the wave just tells itself, if the wave is just telling itself, there's nothing I can do, and it still hasn't recognized what it really is. It doesn't. You know, it's. Um, and I've met so many people as well. And I, again, I you know I felt. I mean. I just meet myself over and over again, you know. It's funny when I say I meet people who I also think, well, that, that's also me, you know. It's, it's like it's all the same, it's all the same seeker, really. It's all mm. the same. We we all kind of go through the same stuff, really, if, if we're honest. Um, and I've completely forgot what I was going to say. Well, I think you were kind of saying that you meet a lot of people who are doing, yeah, they're doing through, not doing, they're doing they're, stages that you have been through yourself, yeah. and so you can relate to what they're doing. But they're they're doing not doing. Yeah, they're doing that. That becomes their new practice. So they they right. go to a teacher who says, "There's nothing you can do. All doing is dualistic. It's all rooted in ignorance." Blah blah blah. So then they, okay, so that's going to be my new practice. I'm going to give up doing. That's my mm -hmm. new practice. That's my new doing. Yeah. My new doing is to reject all doing and to make fun of people who do. <laughs> and that's my new doing. Yeah. And then you get deeper and deeper into the doo doo. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you get deeper and deeper <laughs> because it's just another. And secretly, you see, secretly, they're still seeking in it. And secretly, okay, if I give up doing, if I don't do, then maybe it will happen. Yeah. So it's still a form of seeking. Not doing, you know, doing not doing can still just be another form of seeking, you know. And that's, I think, that's really cruel, I think, what some of these um, teachers do. And I don't think they intent intentionally mean to be cruel. Uh, no. I guess, and I know this This is what, in a way... They're just I, seeing it from their angle. This is how yeah. I used to talk as well. I mean... Uh, until I saw what I was doing, you know. On one hand, you say there's nothing you can do. You say there's nothing you can do, but you also say ah, but something will happen one day. Yeah. So it's like something has to happen. Like the the person has to fall away, the self has to fall away. But there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. so then then you're just you're let all, all you're left to do. So it's there's nothing you can do but come to my meetings. Right. Buy a few books. Come and listen to me tell you how screwed you are, and nothing you can do. <laughs> Well, and then just sit there and, and then just so you, you just people just end up helplessly they're sitting there they're still suffering they've given up doing anything they've given up exploring they've given up looking they've mm. given up being interested by life they think they're no longer seeking secretly they're still suffering horribly but they're probably more blind to that than ever and th now they just become dependent on the non-duality teacher who seems to have something that they don't but won't let them in like, like the teacher won't let them into the party it's, huh. it's like and it's um, I I understand. I completely understand what these teachers mean when when I I completely understand what they're trying to communicate. But I think that that's what's changed for me over the years as a um, speaker, teacher, whatever whatever I am is. What I became more and more aware of. Um, what I've become more aware of over the years. It's like it's one thing to. Uh, so I know what I'm talking about, right? When when I use the words that I use, I know what I know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I know what I mean in a way, but there's something something to do with compassion. I think it's something to do with understanding that not everyone is gonna understand what you mean. You know, and yeah, it's no, like exactly. being willing to somehow come out of your own framework, come out of your mm -hmm. own way of talking, and come into their world. You know, it's like I I used to speak in a very narrow. I used to have a very limited vocabulary when it came to talking about non-duality. You know. And what I just saw, it was keeping people stuck. It was really, because I wasn't, I was sticking to my own, there is no me, there's no one here, there's nothing you can do. And it, and it was becoming a new framework. Yeah. And of course I say, but there is no framework. 
There is no framework. Well, of course there's a framework. There has to be some kind of framework, you know. Um, well, you know, there's a saying which, and this is not to meant to sound condescending, but speak to the level of consciousness of the listener. Yeah, you know? it's not. And it's, it's not to say I am in a high state, you're in a no. low state, but what this this applies in every life, every phase it's, of life. You know, you don't teach trigonometry to a third grader or whatever. Uh, what people are at different stages of growth and different stages of experience and understanding. And the art of really being an effective teacher is to be able to tune into the the level that they're at and provide them with something that's useful I, for, I think, at I that, think that stage. That takes, in a way, that takes a kind of humility, you know, because... It does. Um, you, it's like a willingness to let go of your own way of talking or your, your own language, even your, your own identity as a teacher. You know, yeah. In a way, you have to be willing to die. A great teacher... I'm not. I'm not saying this about myself. No, I, no, I, 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 I know what you're saying. Yeah, I think a great teacher is able, in every moment, to die as a teacher, to yeah. no longer even know themselves, and then that's when they can meet. You know, mm -hmm. to not when I'm not even holding that idea of myself as a teacher between us. And that then I can meet you in in your world, and it's you're right. It's it's not even a condescending thing. It's it's not even I'm I'm descending to your level out of compassion. You know, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> it's not even that. It's like it's just because what's left, right? What's left just to meet. We just yeah. meet. You know, and if I haven't got any idea of um, who I am, or, or um, if I haven't got an agenda, it's about the agenda. If I don't have an agenda, then I'm really free to just meet. Like I, I my dad is a perfect example. You know, he, my, my dad, he's, um, he has no, in, he he has no interest in spirituality and religion and in, in consciousness. I mean, he he just doesn't. It's never he's never asked questions like that. Really, you know, he. I mean, uh, bless him. You know, his his life has been. You know, he he's worked hard. He he made money. He ran a business. He he lost his business. He lost money. He re and now he's retired. And that's his life. That's and he seems to be fairly happy with that. I I don't know, but he just he doesn't. You know, so when he asked me, Jeff, you know, what what do you talk about? What what's non-duality about? If I sit there and start to do the whole lecture, you know the consciousness blah 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 no one hears no self blah 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 no, no. it's <laughs> See, not it's you'll lose them that would be coming from my own my own agenda you right. know my own need to be right or my own need to appear as something or you know it's, it's like with my dad it's it's really been a case of having to drop all of my life all of my precious language all of my precious words all of my teachings whatever and you know what does my what does my dad understand what what's his world his world is um, and this this takes really listening. This takes listening. You know, you, you it takes listening to people, finding out where they are. It's my dad's world is work, make money, retire. You know, he loves his family. And uh -huh. So we, I, I, I you know, I, I tried talking to him, and I tried so many ways of explaining it. All these, and in the end, I just had to drop all the language and just right, Dad. Let's. So you you were a businessman, weren't you? He gets that. He gets that. You know, you were a businessman, and and now you're not. Yeah, and he says, yeah. So, Dad, can can you see how like somehow that like, it doesn't define you? Like, then we start talking about identities and definitions, and who, and then he, that's when he starts to open up. You see, yeah, but, no, that's good. But without using any of the fancy language or any yeah. of the, I'm no one here and blah blah. And that's when he opens up. That's when he opens up. You know. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, there's a saying that when the fruit is ripe, the branches bend down, mm -hmm. and so the people can easily pick it. Oh, my wife says I've exhausted all my analogies. No, I've got a few more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and, you know, I mean, take, taking your example of you know, saying to your dad, there's no one here. I mean, he doesn't relate to that experience. So no, why say it? You know, it's, it, it's, gonna it's only going to create a gulf. It's going to terrify him. You know? Yeah. It's or gonna, it'll just sound like nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, and I'm not in the business anymore of shocking people. I, I think yeah. maybe years ago that I would have enjoyed saying stuff like that just to shock people. You know, it's good. But it, I'm not interested anymore. It doesn't. That's another phase you go through, I think, of. Well, if your goal is really to be of some value to them, then yeah, shock well, you is have, nothing. <laughs> you have to you have to meet them. You know, you have to you have to meet them because what's left? What's left just to meet to meet you. you yeah, know? and absolutely. and to meet you means well, that's the intimacy again. It comes back to the int- that's the death. You know, mm-hmm. I even have to let go of my precious idea of myself as a teacher. My precious idea of myself as no one. That's where we can meet. You know, I'm not going to be able to meet my dad any other way. You know, and. It's the thing we might not be able to meet tomorrow. You know, this is the thing as well. We're human beings. We we're not guaranteed tomorrow. To, it's like, can we meet now? Yeah. Can I drop my? Like, what am I defending? You know, that's to me. That's it. All it always comes back to that question. What? What am I defending? Mm. What? What image of myself am I defending? What? What am I trying to prove to you? What? I mean. And why? Where does it get me? You know. It's. It's doesn't make sense anymore to me that whole yeah. I, I i used to be such a missionary for non-duality <laughs> and i i was gonna i was gonna wake people up i was gonna and they they were also everyone's asleep and i'm gonna they're all so deluded and i just it's, it's, it's another sort game of a, it's, it's another arrogant. game it's another game it's another yeah. i'm gonna go and preach non-separation to people you know i mean how ironic well there's a subtle <laughs> arrogance to it wouldn't you say a, a subtle sort of um kind of a spiritual egotism yeah and a little bit of a holier than thou thing kind of creeping yeah. beneath the surface there yeah uh, I, i'm not saying you're that way now but we've all been through this there's there's just sort of you know you go in the grocery store and there's this sort of feeling of oh you know this poor shoppers yeah. this poor person <laughs> at the cash register I, i'm so much more wise than they and uh yeah you know it's just a it's an immature phase i think that mm-hmm. hopefully we grow out of and um just eventually you know there's no no, no thought of that nature. You know, you're just relating to the cashier and just. That. That's that's non-duality. In the end, yeah. you know, you're not going to find this in books. You're not going to find it from some guru. It's it's the it's the man or woman at the cash register. That's mm-hmm. that's. If non-duality has anything to say about anything, you know, it has it has to, it has to be there as well. It has to be at the cash at the gas pump. You know. Yeah, but at the gas pump. Absolutely. That's why, that's why I, we named it this. Well, yeah. <laughs> if it's not there at the gas pump, it's meaningless. Yeah. I I always um. And I, I always used to be. Um, I think what I, I think I was talking to someone the other day actually about this. I think what saved me from that whole neo advaita, from getting really stuck in that. There's no me. There's no. There's no past. There's no. There's no Africa. There's no Hitler. You know all, all that. Right. What really saved me was that I, I was always fascinated by. I was always fascinated by human suffering. You know, and, uh-huh. and especially um, with my background, the the um, Holocaust. You know, and the Nazi Germany and killing of millions of people. Did you have like ancestors who were killed in the yeah, Holocaust? Yeah, yeah. So that that that's what and for me it was it was so interesting. It was always how do I how do the how do I bring these two together? You know, the yeah. this neo advaita stuff that there's there's no me, no you, there's no passion. At the same time, how can you deny? You know, you watch these documentaries and photographs, piles of human bodies. bodies yeah. How can I rec- how can I reconcile? Because like, it's too easy to sit here and say that never happened. Yeah. That that's just a thought. It's too easy. It's glib. too glib. It's too. 
It's like easy to say you're sitting here, you're well fed, you're warm. You know, try mm. saying there's no, you know, like I mean, I've heard teachers say this that there's no Hitler. I've heard them say it. You yeah. Know. Or um, I've heard teachers say crazy things like you know that um, <laughs> I've, I've, I won't say who this was. They say um, oneness gases Jews. So what? You know, I've oh, heard that. I've yeah. heard that. I've heard Jeez. that. And I totally understand why. Why? That's what gives non-duality a bad reputation. I mean, really, is it? And it's, uh, so, what I was going to say is, it's easy to say that when you're mm-hmm. sitting here, well-fed, warm. Try saying that in the when you're bloody inside a inside a gas chamber. Try yeah, really. No, I mean, really. I'm tempted to say some of these pe- to some of these people. Well, if there's really no one home, we'll go down to the bank take out all the money and send me the check, you know, because it won't matter to you. There's nobody to whom that will matter, but I still identify myself as somebody who would enjoy receiving all that money, so send it this way. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, this just becomes a game of denial. It just yeah. becomes a silly game of denial, denial, denial. And denial is not freedom. I mean, yeah. in denial, you're more trapped than ever. You know? It's a river in I Egypt, think that's, actually. That's what always saved me from the neo-advisor hell. Was, um, <laughs> neo-advisor hell. It was like, whatever <laughs> this is, it, you know, it's, it has to be there it has to be true whether I'm sitting here or whether I'm in a concentration camp. You know, it, it, it ha- whatever this is, it has to be true there as well. It has to be true there. You know, and so in that concentration, all the in, I'm in the concentration camp or whatever. All the fancy new advisor ideas in the world aren't going to save me. You know, and that, I think that's what kept, always kept me kind of grounded in a way. Yeah, um, it's funny. I go through a similar fantasy in a way. I, I think you know, how would whatever state I have hold up if I were subjected to crucifixion or yeah. something like that how would I you know would I completely lose it or would I you know would there be some kind of you know well that's accept- the thing if, acceptance I don't know you know if, it, if this is a state if it's a feeling if it's a belief it's, it will it will fall away that's the thing if it's you know if if it's in the end this this has to be everything that's mm-hmm. why that's the only thing that can't fall away is everything if, if you, you see if, if you think freedom is or one oneness is a happy feeling or oneness is a feeling of peace or oneness is absence of pain or it's yeah. still all conceptual you know and that it's going to be like again life is going to come along it's, it's going to destroy it that that will be taken away yeah, yeah you'll you'll be standing there in the concentration camp and you, you're not going to feel you might not feel what you expected to feel, you know. Yeah. There might be a hell of a lot of pain and sadness, and, and like then the question. And is even like, if you don't experience or understand oneness to be all those relative attributes you just mentioned, uh-huh. I mean, is oneness grounded profoundly enough in your being yeah. that 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 realization could withstand some uh-huh. extreme circumstance like that? You know? To me, that that was always the test. You know, that yeah. that's always. I the mean, test. I haven't been through that test, but no. I well, I, ha- I haven't. Either. I mean, I've been in some. You, pain. you went through the, the hospital test, but <laughs> yeah, but things I don't, I don't. It's not like, you know, it's a te- It's not really like it's. A, I'm going to test myself. It, it's more yeah. like, you know, wh- whatever this is, it's. Uh, it has to be there in everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. Like, and it, it's, if it's a state, it will come and go. If it's a feeling, it will come and go. If it's, mm-hmm. well, so the, the question for me was always, always, what doesn't come and go? What right, doesn't right. come and go? And can that be discovered now? Yeah, you know, because I, this is the end of safety. I, you know, this is, I can't kid myself anymore, mm-hmm. that tomorrow I'm not going to be, 
in a concentrate. I can't do that to myself. I can't you pretend you never anymore. Know. You never but know. That's where compassion comes in. You know, I can't. You might get some cancer or something and be yeah, in Yeah, I, I cannot agony. pretend. I cannot kid myself any longer. Mm -hmm. You know, I live my life. You know, it felt comforting. It feels it's comforting to kid yourself about. But in the end, I, I can't. You know, I have to open myself up to everything, everything, everything. Mm. So yes, of course, it, it's easy to sit here and do the neo-advisor stuff. There's no meat. There's no suffering in the world. There's no starving children. It's easy. I mean, in a way, that's what does it mean? I mean, it's it's it's, it's a catchphrase. It's uh, yeah. There's there is a truth in it, but it's not true. Yeah. See, it's like there's a truth in it. The moment you speak it, it's not true. Uh, that's huh. how I see it these days. There's a beautiful, exquisite truth in it. And the moment yeah. you speak it, it becomes untrue. If it's not immediately, this is what this is what it came down to for me. If it's not immediately balanced out by its opposite, so that you know. Um, I think I made a video about this. I, there's no Africa. Not true. There is an Africa. Now it's true. You know, it's like, it's everything. Because it's everything. Mm -hmm. It's like the crucifixion and the resurrection. I, I think Byron Katie talks about it like this. It's uh, uh, the crucifixion is I am no one. There's nothing. You know, there's no past. The resurrection somehow it it completes itself with the resurrection. Oh, interesting. Beautiful yeah. that, isn't it? It's really Never thought of it that way. The crucifixion yeah. it needs the resurrection to complete it. Then it's complete. Ah. Then it's really complete. Yeah. The crucifixion is only half the story. You know, so. It, it kind of returns as there is an Africa, there is a me, there is a you, there is a yeah. whole. Absolutely, there is suffering, there is pain, there is, and that's where compassion. That's yeah, that's, yeah. that's where compassion begins. Otherwise, there's no compassion. You see, huh. it, 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 true. Me, I mean, the the idea that oneness gas the Jews—that's a very uncompassionate statement. You and know? It, well, it's easy to say. It's the it's the sort of thing. It's it's an e it's an easy thing to say, an easy thing to believe. Um, and it might ultimately, I mean, in a sense, I mean, if on you want, on some, some level, level of course, it's all oneness or life. But um, well, on that level, I mean, oneness didn't do it because oneness doesn't do anything. Doesn't do know, it exactly. Well, that's, well that's, <laughs> that's the truth as well. I mean, yeah. the truth is, human beings, we did it to each other. You know, yeah. and let's get real. <laughs> you know, yeah. we do it to each other, and we do mm -hmm. it to each other. We kill each other. We torture each other. Why? Because we don't see this. Mm -hmm. Because we don't see who we really are. Because we don't see this intimacy, this compassion. We don't recognize ourselves as the ocean. So we, that's what so we start looking for it, and we start um, attacking other people who we, we think are getting in the way of it. Right? Mm. These people are—they're blocking my wholeness. Hmm. Interesting. And that, and you could probably, if you really looked at it, you could probably start to explain all. Violence. You, well, at least you can start to see where all conflict begins. I mean, conflict. Where does conflict begin? Begins here. Me, you, me, you. You know, this is this is the beginning. This is where conflict. Ah, <laughs> and that's where it ends. She's hungry. Um, as your perspective um, has evolved, the way we've been discussing, mm. um, how have you noticed? Uh, what sort of changes have you noticed in your audiences and your you know, groups that come to you know, on retreats and stuff, and not not only how how has your teaching evolved, but has how is the sort of whole, um, you know, group consciousness changed, and the types of people who come, mm -hmm. and and the sort of interactions or the sp level of spiritual maturity of the of the individuals, or the you know all that sort of yeah. stuff. Uh, have you noticed that, that that your audiences have evolved along with you in a sense? It's it's I mean it's hard to say exactly, but yeah, I have I have some sense of that. I know I've lost quite a few people since I started more and more kind of honouring the the hum the the hum the, the messy human stuff. <laughs> yeah, but, you know I think I think I I used to speak to 
the people who used to come to my meetings were more kind of the advisor, kind of hardcore non-duality right. advisor crowd. A lot of them, they don't want to hear about the messy human stuff. They just don't yeah, want to hear. They, they come. A, there's, a non, uh, there's a new Advaita website that uh, recently I heard accused Scott Killaby of being schizophrenic because he's getting into all this sort of so-called uh, messy stuff, you know. <laughs> well, we, we don't like paradox, you know. We, we like yeah. our truth clean. We want it. We, we want consistent, clean truth. We don't like this messy, this messy human stuff comes along and it ruins our... But wonderful. Yeah. You know, that's wonderful. Great. So, I, yeah, I've lost a few people I think but I think I've gained I've gained other people as well and I, I think there's a much greater variety of people now who come to the meetings you know it's, it's that's great well pe people who have never heard of non-duality before artists and musicians and, and people who really aren't into spirituality at all because I, I think the way I speak has kind of opened up and the language has kind of broadened and I think it's more accessible somehow and it's less dogmatic and more more honor it honors the relative more so people get yeah. a lot less angry that's what that's that's incredible oh that's really what what were they getting angry about well you know the whole how, how dare you deny you know you're, you're denying the, the human stuff and I, oh i, I see okay was, yeah there was some truth yeah. in that that made people and i can understand now and i but it's so funny because in the early days because i did speak much more from the you know the absolute perspective i mean mm -hmm. I, I wasn't i was never really a fundamentalist but it, it was more had more of that feel to it I had more of that kind of slightly absolute slightly beyond human you know right and so people w did re sometimes reacted quite violently you know because um yeah i can I imagine was, I, was, I mean if I somebody's really daughter dies or something exactly. you, you just exactly. brush it off as oh it didn't really happen then but you know what the trick is the the guru trick is to it's like oh you're getting angry that's a sign right you're still stuck in yeah you know and and i'm it's so, so tricky it's I'm i have so, such equanimity so here yeah yeah, yeah, I'm so clear, and if you don't understand, if you don't understand, it's your problem, because I'm mm. totally clear. But for, for me, it was always, uh, well, I started to realize, well, may, actually, maybe, again, it's, it's a kind of humility in a way, it's like, well, maybe, it's not that, you know, it's not that I'm totally clear and they don't understand because they're deluded. Maybe this is the opportunity for me to, again, to meet them and, and to huh. try to be more clear, try to hey. clarify and and let go of the old ways I used to talk about. And that, that, that's when things started to really move. You know, that's when things, um, uh, it was like listening, it was, you know what it was, I think, it was listening to people's objections, but really listening. Hmm. I think that that's, probably that and relationships has taught me more than anything. And uh, maybe, well, it is all relationship, isn't it? Um, listening to their objections, not not just, you know, passing them off as oh, oh, you don't get it. One day you'll get it. Yeah. It's just an arrogance. That it's like, can this is a chance? Can I be more clear? Mm -hmm. Can I clarify something? Can I can I find a different way of saying it? Can I be more creative? You know, more more creative in the way I talk about this. And that uh, really, I, the way I speak these days, it's only been a few years. It's so different now. I'm 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 surprised. Like, it's not that I consciously one day decided to speak differently. It was kind of like an evolution. It was like it, it naturally started it, to evolve. It grew, as I, yeah. It, as I listened more, I think it was... I've learned, I've learned more from the people who come to my meetings than anyone else, I think. It's just listening to, listening to them, the way they speak, the questions they have, the difficulties, the way they mishear, all just the way they express it themselves, you know? Yeah. Like their, their language for this, the words they use. And like really, some of the ways people express this, it's far more beautiful than I I mean, it's really far than I could ever... Hmm. So you know, I've it's really moved me to tears. Some some people in the meetings, the, the way they in such a 
without using fancy language, they, they and they don't see themselves as teachers. They don't even they don't have that identity. It's just a yeah. natural expression, you know. And, and so you're making a beautiful point, really, which is that you've you're saying that you know. Um, You've been the prime beneficiary of all this in a way, you know. Talking to people in groups, it's it's become an exercise in in deepening and clarifying your own experience, your own understanding. Um, you know, so it's not like you're lording it over them and and parceling out some kind of absolute truth. It's more like it's a mutual ex exploration, and it's been a tremendous benefit to you oh. to have them as a sounding board for that exploration well it's it's been a real um adventure you know I mean, i've i've always seen it as uh it's meeting what what is it really you know when you strip away all the mystification it's meeting with friends you know it's meeting yeah. with fellow waves in the ocean mm -hmm. you know and gently pointing back to the fact that you know you are already what you seek you know it's not i'm a special wave or i'm the teacher wave or i'm the enlightened wave and one day you little waves you're going to become like that that's the old stuff yeah you know? it's like it's gently reminding people of in a sense of what they already know you know in a, in a, in a way it's not it's um well in the beginning of the interview i referred to you as a teacher and you were uncomfortable with that but you know i can see why maybe a facilitator or something might be a better yeah word. i mean i I've, I've never seen myself as a teacher i'm 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 i mean i'm comfortable with the label these days you know i it's um i guess teaching happens i mean you can say it that way you know sitting in a room with people teaching happens speaking happens listening happens but i don't i don't walk around with this identity i'm a teacher i'm a teacher you know i don't i don't take that home with me <laughs> right. you know it's like teaching ha in the context of a meeting teaching happens sharing happens exploring happens um you could say teaching happens and there's no teacher you know or, but it's the same thing with music or art you know like you know you speak to any artist or is it like an honest artist and what they'll say is they find art art appears you know um or music music appears and then it's only afterwards thought says i you know i i made that i did i'm i'm the artist the artist made the art or the musician sang mm -hmm. the music actually when you really look i mean that, that's why this is you with this stuff and your your specialness isn't going to survive you know, because this is it's total humility. It's not my humility. You know, it's not like my humility. It's not I'm so humble. It's like total total humility in the face of life, really. Because it's life. Life is the authority. You know, life is the teacher. Life is the guru. It's not Jeff isn't the teacher. You know, Jeff is an appearance within life, and you know the function of the Jeff character in well these days anyway appears to be you know sharing, talking. Uh, but it's like on a on a deeper level. Um, what is it? It's uh, oh, it's a mystery, really. <laughs> this is uh, some, one of my friends talks about this as the 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 extra miracle. You know, the 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 first miracle is life itself. You know, the the first miracle is that anything is happening at all. You know, the first miracle is breathing and sounds and smells and trees and volcanoes and that's the first and that and that would have been enough in a, in a way that that would have been enough but there's this extra miracle mm. kind of this this additional miracle that wasn't necessary but appears to be the case oh hello um the extra miracle is that you know within the first miracle we can meet like this or in a meeting or a retreat we can meet and point back to the first miracle you know mm. it's like like the the extra miracle it's very 
And ultimately, even though you know you you can't put this into words, ultimately, even though you can't talk, ultimately you can't talk about it. Still, there's there's a real. I mean, there's that's part of the celebration is, is that we can meet and we can talk about it. You know, and on a deeper level, knowing that you can't put it into words. You know, um, but we we sing our song anyway. You know, we we sing the music and we listen or we don't listen. And so I've I've never taken this whole teacher thing too seriously. You know, it's mm. um, it's I'm, I'm happy to be called a teacher, happy to be called a, a friend, or happy to be called Jeff or no one or whatever. It's like <laughs> it's like yeah, can I be all of those things? Yeah, you know, can I can I be can I be can I be anything? You know, I, I can. I can be a friend. I can be a son. I can be a uh, boyfriend. I can be teacher. I can be, you know, I can be um, interviewee. I can be <laughs> what? You know, it's. I go to the doctors. I can be patient. Mm -hmm. You know, I go to. Um, I go to the theatre. I'm a. I'm a. Uh, whatever. What were they called? Like I can, I can be Mem all of that, you know. Audience member, audience member, or, or whatever. It's um, so many hats, many hats, but none of it has to stick, you know. Right, it's, right. It's like the, our suffering seems to begin when we want to be, we fixate on one of those. We, I want to be that thing, and then we spend the rest of our lives defending that thing, that form, that image. Even the image, as we've been saying, even the image. That I have no image, you know. It's like anything yeah. can be used. Oh, true. I mean, the doctor comes home and plays with his kids. He's not yeah. a doc doctor anymore. He's just sitting on the floor, a guy playing with his kids. You know, so exactly. Like Je so, Jeff Foster, he does a meeting, you know, and then he he leaves and he goes to a cafe, and uh, and now he's is he, is he a teacher? Is he still a teacher? Of course not. Mm. You know, he's um he's buying coffee, <laughs> you know, and and he's chatting with the with the server, you know, mm -hmm. and we. But it's funny, we we carry these. We carry these identities with us, and they don't. We don't need to, you know. And then we end up shutting off from, you know, when we end up shutting off from life, and then um, separating ourselves from others. But well, it's kind of like what we were talking about towards the beginning, where we, you know, we tend to kind of, or people in general tend to calcify in terms of a self, mm. a self-image that has to do with the circumstances of their life. You know, their mm -hmm. their gender, their job, their age, their this, their that. And uh, what you're, I think, pointing to is something which is sort of more fundamental than all those things, which is not encapsulated by any of those things, and mm -hmm. which which ultimately we you know, we rest as. That fly's been buzzing around you the whole interview. <laughs> that's my, that's <laughs> my finally true, landed on your nose. My true teacher. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Buddha in the form of a fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I suppose maybe the maybe you, you can state it better than I, but maybe the takeaway lesson from this whole thing is what? What would you say if you had to, you know, your your bus stop wrap? If you had to wrap this up and and state it in a nutshell, oh. you know, without Wait, you, want, you want a soundbite from me? Yeah, the soundbite. You know, soundbite. Yeah, you know, you're running for prime minister of Great Britain on the non-duality platform, and <laughs> they want to know what. Well, you know what? I think what it comes down to in the end is uh, you know, can this can this moment be deeply allowed? You know, and, and if it can't, can that be allowed to? Mm. You know, can that just be allowed? Even if in this moment, sorry, this is this is a long soundbite. That's okay. Uh, that's okay. You know, even if if this moment 
you can't you find you can't allow you find it impossible to allow you can't accept you, you can that be can that be allowed to be there you know this 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 acceptance that i talk about it's, it's like radically all inclusive mm. you know it's, it's like shock, shockingly all inclusive really mm. um see i allowed you to do a long soundbite that's true compassion rick thank you you really you, really, you met me where i was it's, <laughs> <beautiful. Yeah. laughs> it's like it's like if you could yeah what's the essence of this teaching really i mean perhaps what's the what's the essence of all spirituality maybe it's like allow 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 mm. allow 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 you know yeah i can't think of any simpler way of saying it you know that's a good one i think that's what yeah. byron, byron katie's trying to say with her loving what is and Adyashanti's given lectures on allowing everything to be as they, as it is, and and you hear it over and over again. There's definitely, but that's not it's not uh, that's not passivity. No, it's no. not apathetic or no, passive. Not, no, 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 because that's detachment. You know that right. that that comes from fear. Mm-hmm. You know, in in this allowing, even even fear is allowed. You see, so it's mm-hmm. that's the end of detachment in a way. That that's when you're really open to life. It's like total openness to life. It's like it's like intimacy again, you know. I think I think that I I, I think I use that word more than anything these days is is um, intimacy. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my soundbite. Okay, great. Get yourself a T-shirt made. <laughs> intimacy. In- intimacy. I don't know what what'll happen if you start wearing that around, but <laughs> <laughs> it might give the wrong. Uh, wrong <laughs> if your girlfriend will like it. <laughs> Started getting approached in cafes. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, this has been great, Jeff. Um, yeah, I'm glad so we much. finally got to do it. I'm glad we got to meet last week, and we'll we'll be meeting again, I'm sure, at conferences like that. Um, uh, it was really a joy. Yeah, um, for um, having me. Yeah. So uh, let me just make a couple of concluding remarks. Um, so you've been watching. I think this is maybe interview number 94 or something. I, I just number them so that if people come on the site, they get a sense of how many there are and they know you know what to explore. But um, uh, it's an ongoing series. I do one every week. I believe next week it's going to be Rupert Spira. I'm doing a British double header here. Um, and uh, Rupert is, is marvelous, as you'll find. Um, there are a number of ways of watching or listening to this show. You can uh, watch it as a video sitting in, your, in front of your computer. You can listen to it as a podcast, which is the way I would do it, because I can't sit in front of my computer any more than I do. So there's a podcast you can subscribe to, and you'll get it as an audio. Um, And it's on YouTube. It's also on batgap.com. There's also a little discussion group that springs up around each interview um, when I post it. So participate in that if you like. And there's a little email newsletter you can sign up for so that each time I post a new interview, interview you'll get a notification. So um, that's all there is, folks. So thank you very much for watching or listening. Thank you, Jeff. It's been a joy. And uh, we'll be in touch, and we'll see you all next time. Mm-hmm.